Welcome to Nomad Yarners, the Yarn Truck Podcast. We're Erica and Dave, a husband and wife mobile yarn shop owners, bringing you tales from the road, adventures in fiber arts with a little bit of the rest of life thrown in. This is episode 110, recorded the week of the 17th of July, 2020. Today's segments include what you're working on and where's Nomads. Sit back, get comfy, and enjoy the show. So, Erica, what have you been working on? Um, For the last two weeks or so, since the last time we did a podcast, um, I have been doing a bunch of things. Some sewing, some knitting, um, a lot of organizing, a lot of gardening. Um, I started a new sewing project. Did I talk about this the last time? Do you remember? It's my puff quilt or sometimes called a biscuit quilt. Um, I decided that I really just wanted to cut squares out of beautiful fabric. Um, I haven't I started my crafting life as a quilter um, before I pretty much did any other um, crafts, but I don't, I haven't really done quilting in more than 10 years. Um, I just kind of moved on to um, to different things and haven't felt a huge need to do very much of that. But You've I done do a little bit of finishing and some baby quilts and stuff, yeah. but not anything kind of really big quilting project. Yeah, I've done a couple baby gifts, basically. Um, but I decided that I wanted to try a different, I, I love batik fabrics. Um, they are, I think it's an Indonesian dyeing technique. Yes. From Java. Um, where you put a wax resist on the fabric and then sort of dip dye it. Um, and a lot of times the colors are really like saturated and intense and they're just, they're beautiful fabrics. I really love them. Um, and so I've been collecting, um, batiks and I have a couple of like fabric packs of, of different batik fabrics. Um, and I was sick of not ever getting to use or enjoy them because they're not really baby quilt kind of fabrics generally. Um, and so I just decided I was going to make a a quilt with them. Um, I didn't want to do any, um, like real intricate piecing with it. I basically just wanted to do squares. Um, but I, I like trying new things and weird things. Um, so I discovered a technique where it's called a puff quilt or a biscuit quilt because your squares, you stuff them individually. And so they're their little like biscuit shaped looks like, looks like a tray of biscuits when you finished yeah um apart from don't put butter on it uh so you cut your um you have sort of a background fabric that you will never see when the quilt is finished um it'll end up kind of in the inside um and you cut those squares for me i cut those to four and a half inches um big and then you cut the outside so the the pretty batik fabrics uh that i was using to a little bit bigger so i cut those squares to five inches and then what you do is you put those two together um and you just sort of pinch out the difference so you start at one edge and you sew halfway down it and then you get to the point where so you line up the two corners of the two squares um, you sew halfway down and then it becomes obvious that five inches is bigger than four and a half inches. So you just take that half an inch of extra fabric 
and just sort of fold it up on itself. So you have this little pleat about halfway. You don't measure it or mark it or anything. You just kind of eyeball it. Um, and then when you get to the corner, the corner should match up and then you turn it and go down the next side and do the same thing. So every side is a half an inch bigger than, than the square that you're sewing it to. You sew around three sides um, and then you stuff that little, you've got now like a little envelope. Um, so you can use batting, um, you can use like stuffing material, you can use fabric scraps, you can use whatever you want to stuff into that little pouch. And then you sew the last side closed. Um, again, the same way, line up the two corners and just fold it over in the middle where it's a little bit too big. Should be called a ravioli quilt. Yeah. Because you don't like want that. to seal your biscuits at the edges, they won't rise. Well, that's why they're, they're smooshed down <laughs> at the edges. I think ravioli quilt would be a better, um, a better thing. So then you have just a massive number of these little biscuits um, and then you sew them together. So they're all, they all have raw edges. You're sewing these all right sides out. Um, and so then you piece them just like they were regular quilts. Um, so you do, then you do right sides together um, and sew the squares together in whatever order you want them to be um and then at the very end you put a backing on the whole thing so it covers up the inside um sort of backing um, that you'll that you'll never see um and that is how um how your quote gets finished so i'm enjoying it i've got everything all organized i kind of wanted a random layout um, of the the different batiks i had about 20 different batik fabrics but I had different amounts of all of the different ones. Um, and Most of them were just fat quarters, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, uh, it's surprisingly difficult to lay out things in random order. Um, the human brain doesn't like actual randomness because I don't want two colors to be touching each other or like too many dark ones right next to each other. Um, so I sort of sorted and organized them all and pinned them together in little bundles. Um, and so I do one stripe. There's 17 um, squares in one strip. And then I think I've got about 20 strips total to make my, my quilt. So I do them one strip at a time. And so... Um, so all of that. So it's been fun. I think I'm four strips in um, of having things sewn together. So it's fun to do. I'm liking it. It's going to be a pretty small blanket when it's done. This this uh, quilting technique it just eats fabric um, because you lose um, half an inch all the way around the of every square that you're doing, and every square takes an extra like two steps as opposed to just sewing your two fabrics together and this one's going to be reserved for you right i think so i had a vision that it was going to be for the kids like i was going to make two of them one for each of their beds but no nope that's going to be for me <laughs> i don't know where it will live but we'll see somewhere where they can't find it we have a blanket box in the living room which is full of erica's quilts and the kids love to play with those they get them out and build forts and um have picnics have picnics and, and tuck us into bed on the sofa um so they love that but they also climb in the box as well and hide so and close the door and you really can't see it's a little bit scary when you don't know where they went um so it'll have to find somewhere other than that yes it will have to be in the blanket box um so yeah that's the big sewing project that i have been doing um i've been doing several other projects in the sewing room um if you follow us on facebook or instagram it's my little social media plug um just search nomad yarns yeah um we're nomad yarns in both spots 
Uh, you will have seen my pictures of my sewing pattern um, organization. Uh, for whatever reason, I got the the organize all the things bug a couple of days ago. Um, and I have about 70 sewing, like garment sewing patterns. Um, and I theoretically had a system for organizing them when, when I open the pattern envelope. Um, I get a, a bigger manila envelope, like a, an A4 size. That's not what you call it in the U.S. Um, just like a sheet of a paper size. size. There you go. Um, envelope. And then I'm not trying to fold the pattern pieces back down to be so small. Um, so I, it gives me some extra room. And then I can write more on there about like what size, if I traced it and cut it out or just cut out pieces, what size I have in there. Um, and everything fits back nicely. And then I have just a big tote that those all go in. Um, but those kind of systems only work well if you put your pattern pieces away when you are finished working with them. But that's not how I work. Um, I get enthusiastic about a new project before I finish the old project. And so I have five patterns worth of pieces scattered everywhere. And then it takes too long to try to figure out where to put them. So I just shove them all together into a box. Um, and after you have... We call those Erica stacks yes. in our house. <laughs> after you have 10 of those, it seems very overwhelming to try to put your patterns away. Um, but I gather I cleaned the whole sewing room and I gathered all of those into one place and then I sorted all of them out and I made new envelopes for stuff that needed them and got rid of a few things. I had several diaper patterns and our kids are out of diapers now, so I didn't uh, need to keep those diaper patterns. Um, a couple of other like newborn sized baby clothing things um, that uh, that I didn't need to use anymore. It so. looks really neat and tidy. It puts my side of the room to shame. My side of the room is a disaster right now. So um, Erica has this wonderful, nice and clean and neat workspace and mine is just covered with paint and models everywhere that need to be sorted. So. Yeah, the difference is I've never seen yours not look like that. <laughs> Well, I get it tidied up and then someone sends me a whole army to do it. I don't know where to put it. So their cases just sit on the floor. <laughs> So I, I'm feeling good about the crafting space. Sometimes um, creative chaos works really well for me in the sewing room. Sometimes I find it so like oppressively disorganized that I'm like, I don't even want to go in there because I can't, I can't even uncover my cutting table. Um, so I am feeling pretty good. Um, I also put all of my mending projects um, to one side as I was doing this and I have a lot of mending that needs to happen. So that's probably going to be the next thing that I do. Mending is fun because it's a very instant gratification kind of a thing. If you're, if you're in the right mood in an hour, you can finish like five projects, um, which can be nice. Okay. So what have you been working on? All kinds of things. Um, so we are continuing to go along with uh, festival season. So if you are looking at this uh, month's festival season box, uh, you have until the 21st at about midday on the 21st uh, to order this month's. I am dyeing a brand new exclusive color of Twisted Branch, which is a beautiful uh, greens and purples iris color. Um, that's our 100% merino and kind of a barber pole style. Uh, it also comes with some fantastic um, knitting needle jewelry uh, earring kits from uh, Burroak Studio, who's based uh, here in town. If you're worried about teachers uh, right now, um, we are helping one of them out. Uh, Burroak Studio, uh, Jen, who runs that, is uh, the uh, teacher at the Outdoor Learning Center at the Avon School System. Um, so, yeah, go and support her. 
Um, uh, we have a nice little needle gauge that is made by our friend Doug at Magic Bulb. Um, he's our laser cutter. Um, and then a, a leaf print uh, by me. Um, I airbrushed some inks and then did a, a marker drawing. We'll get a print of that with all the information on. So that is coming out. Uh, we'll be heading out on the 1st of August. That is our July box available until 21st of July. So I'm getting everything prepped to do the final run of those colors as soon as we got the last aura in. Um, elsewhere in the dive studio, I have been filling in some gaps. So we had nearly run out of the Feast Super Chunky, which has been very popular over the summer for some bizarre reason. Um, so we have been uh, working on that. I'm going to go down after this podcast and finish uh, dyeing up some more colors. Um, so that is all back up and full again. I'll get that back up on Etsy on our online store and we'll have that loaded on the truck. Um, so yeah, lots and lots of stuff in the dive studio. I just ordered a new sock yarn base today. Um, just a standard, um, merino and nylon sock base. It's actually the same base that our palette microscades are made from. Um, so hopefully that should come in in a few days. I'm planning to do a set of uh, colors that complement the palette skeins. Um, So I haven't come up with a name for it yet. Um, I'm trying to think of something that goes along with palette. So so it's... Uh, it's clear that it's the same uh, kind of yarn or they go together. Um, but we'll be able to then do kits for Erica's Canna sweater all in our own yarn, which will be nice. Um, and that will mean we'll always have the colors available. Um, if we run out, we just dye some more. Um, so I will have that on hand. I'll dye eight colors of that, I think. Um, and then we'll have a couple of bags uh, set aside for if we run out of a colour, I can just dye a new one. Um, so I'm looking forward to finally getting that done. We've been waiting on the base to come back in stock for our uh, for our wholesaler. Um, so they've just got some come back in. Um, they just had produced at their mill in uh, Peru, I think it is. Uh, so we are looking forward to getting that out on the shelves. So yeah, I've been there, working lots of cool stuff. And there definitely has been some supply chain disruption with COVID and uh, yarns um, being delayed. There's there's a lot of moving parts to getting yarns into a yarn shop or, in our case, a yarn truck. Um, so if, several of those uh, steps had been knocked out or delayed. Um, so there's there's been it's been a little bit interesting trying to source things um, in the last few months. Yeah, even if the wholesaler uh, or supplier or even the, the mill that produces the the yarn is based in the U.S., often the fiber or the yarn or the dyeing process or the packaging is done in another country. And often those countries have either been shut down themselves and have had restrictions on when they can restart. The companies themselves in the U.S. have had restrictions on when they can open up. Um, and there's been a lot of shipping restrictions. So there's lots, uh, almost every yarn, uh, no matter, even if it's if it's US kind of fiber, there's some step along the line um, which has been disrupted. So we're finding that as our stocks are going down on certain things um, or we're trying to introduce new lines, um, it's just taking a little bit of delay. Things are out of stock and only starting to get back in. So um, we have some cool new stuff coming. We have been waiting to get some Malabrigo sock um, because we use that for the can of sweater, which has been real popular. Um, and we basically run out of Malabrigo sock. We finally got some coming on the way. It's due in the next few days. So you'll see some new kits for the can of sweater and some new Malabrigo sock up on our website. Um, basically, as soon as that comes in, I'll try and get those up and out on the truck as well. Yeah. Um, I'll let Erica go and tell you more about what she's been working on. And I'm going to tell you some uh, about kind of being back out on the road. 
Um, I have to do a garden update because it's July and there's a lot, uh, a lot in the garden. Um, I know it's not strictly fiber arts related, but I did use some fabric to tie up one of the watermelons. So Erica has been doing some knitting and crochet. She maybe gets to that as her third or fourth thing. I'm yes. sure. <laughs> um, so our garden is looking good. I do feel like everything is later happening than I would have expected this year. Um, I just feel like I, we, I did a good job of getting everything in on time and it's just the weather or the something or it's the first year for our garden and so the, the soil fertility just hasn't been um, been all the way we're, up yet. We're seeing this from a lot of places like there's a there's a blueberry, a pick your own blueberry farm that we're really interested in, in taking the kids to um, and their blueberries are still not really ready. Um, they should be in a high season right now so it's not just us who's having weird things happening with our, our garden stuff ripening. Some of it may be because we had the really late frosts here. Um, so it was just uh, everything kind of took a while to get ready. I'm, I'm not sure. Yep. Um, but we have lots of green tomatoes on tomato plants. I did plant... Um, the suckers that I had rooted. So when you're training your tomatoes, if you, um, if you try to sort of contain them and, and cut off, uh, some of the like low to the ground growth so that your tomatoes don't like lay on the ground and rot, um, a lot of what you're taking off are called suckers. Um, and so this won't work with just a leaf from your tomato plant, but if you have a sucker that has like leaf and flower buds and the little node at the top that's going to keep go growing and producing more of those. Um, I stuck about 20 of those um, suckers that I pruned off because we had, I don't know, we had 20 tomato plants in the ground um, and I pruned my parents too. So I had about 20, 25 suckers just in, in a big vase of water on our kitchen table for about a week and they grow roots. So then you've got your, um, your, your whole new tomato plants with a little bit of root on the bottom. Um, and then I stuck those in just little pots. Like we reuse the like the little black plastic ones that come from like when you buy plants at a nursery um, filled those up with some potting soil, stuck the tomato plants down in there, um, and left them about two weeks, making sure to get them a lot of water. And then you start seeing roots poking out the bottom of the little, um, the little pots you put them in. And those are now new, like pretty established, um, tomato plants. And so I planted those all out in the garden this, in this last week. Um, it's a little bit unusual to plant tomatoes in July, um, at least in Indiana, but um, I listen to a lot of gardening podcasts, um, and it's actually a thing that a fair number of people do, almost like a succession planting, um, because theoretically, like indeterminate tomatoes, which are most of what people grow, um, will produce tomatoes until frost. Um, but tomato plants get like have a lot of diseases and they get like they're produced, they can produce so much. They almost like wear themselves out. Um, and they just become less prolific and more disease prone as you get later into the season. So by putting, we put some out in May and then we put some out in the middle of July, the ones in the middle of July, theoretically, um, will still be going strong into frost instead of kind of petering out. Um, but we'll see. It's for sure I've done it. We've so. got quite a lot of uh, green ones on those plants. Um, we just... On the original on, plants, yeah. not on the newly in the ground And uh, We normally, like in, in previous years, we've got them towards the end of July. So they seem to be on track. Um, yeah, they really when, are. Uh, when we were in the brick and mortar, we would hold a... Um, birthday, a celebration birthday celebration of the, of the last weekend of July every year um, and that was basically when we always got our first uh, round of tomatoes so 
um, we're looking on track with those. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. They look good. Yep. If we can just stop Rowan picking them all before they're right. <laughs> He's very enthusiastic to help in the garden. He is too. Um, and he cannot stop himself picking green tomatoes or green blueberries, or green blackberries, or green... He's excited to eat them. We're glad that he's excited to eat the produce in the garden. Um, He's just excited to eat it two weeks before it's ready. (laughs) We've had some squashes. We've had lots of squashes. Yep, four or five. We did the crookneck yellow squashes this year, um, and they seem to work a lot better if you pick them smaller. So that's, that's our goal. Um, they're an heirloom variety, so they do have sort of bigger, chunkier seeds. Um, so it just encourages us to pick them um, before they get too big. Um, They're very tasty. Yes. Very buttery they, kind of flavor. They definitely them. are. Uh, we've got cucumber vines that have flowers on them, but no fruits yet. We did not have good luck with cucumbers this year. We planted seeds, and then the first frost killed them, or the last frost, rather. Um, and then... We got a frost like in the middle of May. It was very late for frost, especially because it had been in the 90s for like weeks before then. Um, and then we planted them a second time, and one of the one of the varieties something ate it, like just ate all the leaves. So it's been a slow start for cucumbers, but we will get cucumbers. Um, we've got watermelons and cantaloupes are really taking off. I have and never. Eggplants. And eggplants, yep. I have never been successful with any of those plants before. Um, so we ate our first eggplant. We probably picked it a little early. So I'll let the, there's like 20 more on the plant. I'll let those get bigger. Um, we put okra in the ground a few weeks ago and it's it's happy and growing. Um, I planted corn on July 1st um, because our first round of corn planting, we planted it in a, in a weird new bed that didn't have any soil in it and was only wood chips and it turns out corn likes dirt to grow and it doesn't grow in mulch um but you got sweet potatoes in there now yeah the sweet potatoes seem happy we have amaranth in there and those are those are happy and growing um we have a like a hot pink variety so it's pretty to see those um we've got beans are starting um, we have purple We've green beans. We've had quite a lot of beans off of those. Just yeah, we, we just they've eat all them been straight in the garden. <laughs> Which is fine. That's Eating food out of the garden is the point. So whether that happens standing in the garden or on the dinner plate, it doesn't matter. We go out in the garden and around there for a little while, and then we bring the kids in to eat a meal, and they don't, they're don't. they not really hungry because they've been spending the whole time just eating produce straight out of the ground. So it's the worst things than the kids just eating lots of vegetables and fruit. Um, got carrots. They're, they didn't really get very big, but it got hot early, so who knows. You got bored um, and pulled them too early. I haven't pulled all of them. I pulled like three. <laughs> um... And we got some daikon, they're getting pretty big. We've had some yep. regular radishes. We've had like three or four harvests of regular radishes out of the beds. So. Yep. We've got some beets in the ground that look happy. There's a lot of, we stuck a lot of onions just kind of randomly in between. Yeah, they're looking really good. Other some peppers that are getting, they're maturing on some plants right now. Yep. Cow horn peppers, I've never grown that variety before. Um, there, We've got two pretty big ones, but they're both still green, so we'll wait till they turn red. Um, so it's still slowly mulching the, the paths around the vegetable garden. Um, I felt really good about getting the vegetable garden in and done and planted, but we didn't do anything with the paths. We just left them grass. Well, they're too narrow to mow with a lawnmower, and it just doesn't work to have. There's no, like, edging they're, they're on our garden They're too narrow to mow all. with 
the ride-on mower, and we're too lazy to mow them with I a push don't. mower. We have to push mow so much. We have three acres, and I just, yeah, I'm not going to do that. So the plan was to always mulch them, but then it got hot, and we ran out of cardboard because we like to use um, corrugated cardboard underneath um, to fill them in. And just the summer for the for the store is not really when we're getting new stock in, so we don't get new cardboard boxes. We don't buy a lot of stuff online. We get our um, box from Imperfect Produce um, with like once every two weeks now um, because we don't get as much produce and then we get other things. Um, so, yeah, we, we don't have a lot of cardboard anymore <laughs> uh, this time of year. So we, every time a cardboard box comes in or we finish a cereal packet or something, we go and take it straight out into the garden. Erica puts it out and puts some mulch on top of it. Yeah. So <laughs> it's slowly but surely happening. Um, we're nearly all the way around um, the garden bed. So well, We plan to eventually, um, probably in the fall, start this and into, um, into the spring, um, dig some more beds because um, we're really pleased with the garden but we would like some more space um, so yeah dig some more beds um, get some more mulch pods in and then we'd love to uh, go through and like mulch and put something under the orchard because that's really hard to mow as the trees are getting uh, so big and it's just kind of scrubby in there there's just uh, there's kind of shady grass and violets and stuff um, and it's it's fine it's just it, it's quite difficult to get in there to get to kind of do maintenance on the trees and stuff because some of the grass gets high and you just can't get in there even with a push mower because there's kind of branches and stuff in the way. So uh, when they've died back, we'd like to ideally mulch that. And then uh, we have a fire pit that we uh, got from a local um, buy nothing project group um, that we went and dug out from someone's garden. So we'd like to put that in around um, kind of around where the vegetables uh, garden and stuff is so we can take things straight from the garden and do like little roasted campfires, uh, roasted yeah. vegetables straight outside, which would be nice. Yeah. Maybe take the smoker out there as well. Maybe. It's kind of far. We'll leave it out there. <laughs> far to carry it. Um, so we'll see. But it's all it's all doing very lovely, and I'm excited. Um, I felt like I wanted more out of the garden. It just felt like I put a lot of time and energy into it, and I wanted more harvest. Um, but it just takes a while. And We're on the edge is, of getting lots of everything. Patience so. is not a... Uh, a notable quality of mine. So, okay, Dave, what else have you been working on? I've been working on the truck. Um, so we've been out now twice um, on Thursdays. Um, so Thursday evenings, five till eight. Um, until at least the end of this month, uh, we are at our Timber City coffee spot in, here in Plainfield. Um, and we plan to be kind of um, there for a couple more weeks. We really wanted to use this spot as a way to kind of test out um, being back on the truck, how that was going to work. We wanted to make sure um, that the truck was set up uh, correctly so everyone was safe. Um, we wanted to make sure that kind of we were feeling ready with um, just the volume of people and, and maintaining um, distance for all of the customers who were lined up and stuff um, on the truck to be able to kind of do that at other stops as well. So well, I've been pleased with how that's gone. It's gone really well. Um, everyone has made sure that they're wearing masks. Uh, we have big bottle sanitizer. People have been using that. Uh, we're doing one person or a family on the truck at once, basically for a ride in the same car you can get on the truck together. Um, and then um, we, we try and stay off the truck, but people have questions. So we try and keep kind of the other side of the truck or, or keep our distance as far as we can from people when we're in there. But everyone is masked, only one person at once. So I've been really happy with that. I made a cute sign on our blackboard 
um, signs uh, with all the safety instructions on for people. Um, and then I've been really pleased with how the upgrades have worked. So um, I did lots of upgrades on the truck um, and they are all working really well. So I insulated the roof um, with some foam board and then we decoupaged over the top of that and hidden all the electrics in there as well. Um, and I think it looks a lot nicer. It keeps the truck bay cooler. Um, it doesn't heat up as fast anymore, which, which has been helpful. Um, it's got all the lights plugged into it and it looks a lot neater. Um, I think it really helps with the lighting as well uh, because the, the ceiling was so um, thin before. It's not, not exactly thin, but not quite fully opaque. It's, um, it's like a fiberglass uh, kind of polycarbonate or something ceiling um, on the truck. It's just a standard um, kind of truck top. Um, and it's it's slightly transparent, so even when we painted it, when um, when it got really bright outside or inside, um, you get a lot of light leakage through it. I think the um, the new ceiling has really helped uh, keep everything a lot brighter in the truck, which has been really helpful. Um, so the lighting is a lot better now. Um, I added uh, a new uh, system for waterproofing when it rains. We haven't tried that out yet because it hasn't rained when we've been out, um, but uh, we got a better way of kind of securing the like the shower curtains we use on the back entrance of the truck so people can get in um, and keep everything dry inside. Um, I put um, some flagpole mounts on the back and the side of the truck um, and then dyed some kind of tie-dye kind of rainbow spectrum uh, flags to put out to really make uh, make it clear where we are and, and that we're open. Um, and those kind of really make the truck stand out more from a distance and make it obvious which way to get in, which I think is really nice. Um, I upgraded the steps. So I went through and um, repainted in black gloss all of the bumpers on the truck, um, the back kind of bumper and the, all the springs and stuff back there um, and repainted the gloss black on all the staircase. It really helps neaten it up and protect it from rust so it's going to last for a lot of years. Um, and then we mounted a new stair rail. So the stair rail we had before um, was functional but it didn't feel very stable um, and it was always hard to get in. Um, so I built a new stair rail uh, with the help of Erica's dad with um, some galvanized pipe. Um, so that would be nice and weatherproof um, because it's galvanized. Um, they're the kind of pipes that you generally use for like hot water systems. So they're really nice and strong. They can take pressure. Um, you see a lot of um, like bars and restaurants now use them um, for building like the around the bar barricade and stuff like that. Um, so those look uh, that looks really good. I think um, it's a lot more stable. I have like a little cross beam that goes and rests on the ground as well. Um, and it's a lot thicker stair rail, so it really feels a lot more stable. Um, and it makes it a lot more comfortable and easy for people to get in and out of the truck. So I've been really, really pleased with all of the upgrades. I did try to uh, build a solar extractor fan um, to use for the truck, and we just found that it wasn't increasing the airflow enough. Um, so it's back to the drawing board with the cooling, if we can get anything going there. But when now with the insulated ceiling, I, I find that it's, it's cooler in the truck anyway, which I'm pleased with. Um, I've also um, upgraded in the front cab, so we now have a nice curtain that pulls across the cab and all the kind of electric setup. Um, we already have a step down, so we can now use the side entrance 
Um, and we can open that as well to allow some airflow. I repainted all the chalkboards inside. Um, we haven't got anything on them because we haven't got a regular stop schedule or festivals coming up yet, but um, the truck, I think, is looking better than it's ever looked. Um, it I is. made new uh, price tags for everything. We've rearranged all the yarns. Uh, we've got new yarns that we had in the spring there. We've got new hand dyes out on the truck. Um, and, yeah, if we're out and about... Um, be assured if you stop by, you will be. Um, we will make sure distance is maintained and everyone's wearing masks and shopping on the truck is as safe as it can be. Um, and also, the truck looks better than it's ever looked, I think. Yep. Um, so, yeah, pleased with that. Been out on the truck a couple of times. People have um, been pleased to see us and happy um, that we are. Um, maintaining uh, as much safety as we can for them. It does make it a little bit more difficult to uh, to browse on the truck, perhaps, um, if there's a line of people. Um, so we have talked about perhaps doing um, some time, maybe even at Nomad HQ, where people can kind of book in a private shopping slot. Um, so we're talking about kind of developing that along with other things that we're doing. But we're hoping soon, um, if uh, COVID infection numbers stay relatively stable in Indiana, um, to be heading out and trying some of our other uh, local stops because I know people are missing us in our other kind of regular haunts. So, yeah, keep an eye out on that. We will let you know as soon as we have some more information. Yep, I'm nodding. <laughs> so, Erica, what are you knitting on? It's time for, it's time for a fiber arts update. Okay, I... The sewing is fiber arts. Quilting <laughs> is fiber arts. Um, I'm just checking it. The, uh, the project in my hand right now is the Castle of Dreams shawl um, by Jimmy Knits. It's available on Ravelry. Um, I just really like it. I'm using my hand spun. I've talked about it before. Um, it's got a beaded edging. I don't work with beads all that often, and it just really spoke to me. I love the way that, um, that she had you put the, put the beads on it in in the bind off it's a technique that i hadn't used before um so i'm i'm pleased with it um i'm really getting on for halfway i think she has you do like 10 of the stair step edging beaded things um on the increase and then come back down the other way um i think i'm on like the ninth one maybe uh i might make this bigger um i might increase up um do the increases all the way up to here and then just do a section in the middle where I'm not adding any more stitches um, and just keeping the stitch count the same uh, to make it a little bit wider or longer rather. I'm fairly tall and I'm fairly broad shouldered and just broad all over. And so I like larger shawls and scarves. Um, I just, I feel like I get more coverage and it keeps me warmer. And I just like the way they look when they're a little bit bigger. Um, so I might just keep going. We'll see. Um, it's a nice thing about the more comfortable you get in a, in a craft. And I have found this, I'm a newer garment sewer. I'm just still in my first few years of trying garment sewing, but I can see myself getting to the same comfort level with making changes um, with sewing that I have making changes to, to knitting patterns and crochet patterns. Um, so it is kind of fun when you get to that point where you feel like you really understand the construction and the techniques involved in something to where you're comfortable just making some changes to make things work better for you. Um, which is nice. That's to me, that's, that's one of the benefits. There's a lot of benefits to me for, to doing crafts. Um, but one of the benefits of making things for yourself or for other people is that you can customize them, um, for how you actually like to use them. Um, but 
it takes a while to get there. Um, uh, just like if you're buying something off the rack as a ready to wear piece, um, if you're following directions for a pattern off the rack, you're, you are going to produce exactly what the pattern told you to rather than maybe exactly what would work better for you. So it's fun to keep evolving as, um, as you get more and more into the, the craft of the thing that you enjoy doing. Um, and if it's never fun to, to sort of experiment a little bit, that's fine too. You can always follow the patterns exactly. That is what makes you happy. Okay, it's looking great. Yeah. Um, I very occasionally work on my the brioche scarf out of our yarn fireworks um, that I hope to record some videos for and um, get the pattern written up and release that um, along with maybe some kits. Um, the of our the yarn. plan originally was to do that for um, a class. So just before the shutdown started, we got back into uh, setting up some classes and we're really happy with how those are going and uh, getting Erica to kind of work on developing some new class materials. But um, that kind of got put on pause. So the urgency on that pattern kind of uh, got put on pause too. So Yeah. And I find with the, with the increased stress levels and the increased demands of childcare, um, now that preschool and daycares are, are not an option that we are, are using right now, um, my ability to concentrate and be able to produce high quality pattern content is much compromised. Um, so I have been being kind to myself and, and working on projects that increase my skills in other ways rather than try to um, push through and, and release a bunch of patterns right now that may not really be up to the quality that I'm happy with. Um, so I'm slowly working towards that. Um, I just, I, I used to publish a pattern a month um, for years and years. I published a pattern a month. Um, kind of priorities have changed a little bit over the, the shutdowns. Things were a lot more kind of equal about which parts of the business we were, we were working on. And because my, kind of area has always been the product development and kind of online store stuff and all of the kind of background administration of the kind of the store it's itself and getting kind of events and online things set up and, and booking done that's become the main kind of priority is, is dying and doing all the online store stuff so it has shifted to to Erica doing a lot more of the homework um, and me doing more of the the online store work, and I think we're going to start transitioning back to where it was a bit more kind of fifty fifty on on both as much as possible. So, Maybe it's we'll every, see. as everybody else knows, it feels very up in the air. Everything feels very difficult to make long term plans right now um, with the with the continuing to evolve COVID situation. Yeah. Well, it's all about, we'll, we'll see. But, yeah. Um, yeah. Let's move on <laughs> because day this day. isn't a fun thing to talk about. So those are the two knitting projects that I'm doing, the Castle of Dreams, Charlotte, and working on the brioche scarf pattern. Um, the brioche scarf, it has the brioche, it's two-color brioche, and I do stripes going both directions because I'm obsessed with stripes going two directions. So you make the brioche long stripes, just standard two-color brioche going the length of the scarf, you bind off and pick up stitches along the long edge, and then you do stripes going back and forth across the narrow part of the scarf um, for a bit as well. So I just, I like the way that looks. I do a lot of patterns like that. Yeah, stripes two ways is one of Erica's kind of style motifs. Yes, and I, I run out of things to name my patterns <laughs> because I've done so many varieties on the word stripe and the word two <laughs> duo of stripes stripey 
stripes two ways. Striping with stripes. Stripes. Yes. Um, so. Striping with stripes. Yep. Um. Well, I have got back into my miniatures painting studio a bit um, as things have kind of got more settled in with um, kind of finishing the renovations on the truck, uh, getting a bit more settled into the um, the festival season. Now I got that set up for a few months in a row. Um, and kind of getting more used to running the online store, there's less kind of new things I have to do. I've got a little bit of time to get back into my miniatures painting studio again. Um, so I have a couple of projects lined up there. Um, so for those of you who haven't really listened much before, this hasn't been something I've talked about too much. I'm also a professional um, miniatures painter. Um, I paint uh, models for mostly for war games. I do some uh, mostly kind of fantasy and sci-fi pieces. Um, I will paint anything that people send me. Um, they want uh, kind of done it in all kinds of styles. Um, so I play um, a couple of war games myself. I play uh, Horror Heresy, um, which is a, a gritty sci-fi game. And I also play Dark Age, which is a, a game that's unfortunately been discontinued, but there's still a few players around here. Um, another kind of gritty sci-fi kind of small war band game. Um, so I play those. I paint a lot of that stuff. Um, I painted um, some busts uh, recently, which were fun to do. Um, they're about kind of three or four inches tall. Um, I'm now working on a couple of really fun uh, projects. So I'm working on an army of giant robots for somebody, um, which is fun, but a little bit monotonous as everything is metal um, and the same kind of colors. Uh, the models are cool, but that's that's. I need a little bit of a break from that. Um, and now I'm starting to work on um, somebody's kind of alien um, cult, uh, which I think is really cool. Um, it's a fun kind of part of one of the universes uh, where um, almost like HP Lovecraft style, there's aliens that have come and uh, kind of infiltrated um, civilian populations and then they kind of form renegade kind of half alien militia, um, which is really cool. I get to do some really cool stuff with that. So you get to um, kind of paint uh, equipment in kind of a, a battered kind of salvage looking style um, and do things like spray paint graffiti and stuff like that. So I have a friend of ours who's made me some stencils uh, of some symbols for that. And I'm working on, um, I bought some unusual supplies. I like uh, confusing online shopping algorithms. Um, I bought some Snowtex textured paint. Um, I bought some uh, miniature um, doll's house tiles. Um, and then some uh, some Sculpey, um, and I'm making uh, city scenes with like sandbag emplacements um, and kind of ruined rubble uh, with the kind of tile floors and, and pavements and stuff built into it. So I'm having fun uh, making like lots of little city scenes and making it look a little bit more kind of gritty sci-fi realism. So. Um, that's what I'm working on right now, um, and then I have someone who's also sending me um, from an Indiana artist group that I'm on, um, was looking for someone to work on um, some uh, masks, so he collects um, kind of, uh, hard to describe, they're about kind of 10 inch tall uh, resin kind of face casts of characters um, and all kinds of uh, just things, historical figures and stuff. Um, so the first one I'm going to paint for him is Jack Nicholson's uh, kind of classic Joker. Um, and then um, potentially doing him a set um, that are meant to be like representations of the of the seven deadly sins. Um, I might be doing those for him as well um, to go in his 
ever-growing collection of these masks that he has on his wall. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give that a go. That will be a new thing for me as well. So I'm uh, interested in doing some cool new stuff. Um, I also um, bought from a friend a giant uh, Titan robot model that's huge in the scale that it's in. Um, and that is going to be my own personal project for the next probably the next several months to a year um, and hope to take that to a big convention that I go to next year if that ends up running um, and uh, yeah, play normally, that a couple of times and sell it. <laughs> normally Dave's stuff is like two inches tall and this thing is like it's a foot three and a half, feet tall. It's a foot and a half tall. It's big. It's big. <laughs> um, and it's the same scale, so it's meant to be like taller than buildings, um, giant robot walking around. Um, so... That I bought, I'm going to renovate it completely, uh, strip it down, uh, probably take parts of it apart, and then repaint it. And I'm thinking, I've got a couple of cool ideas. It's either going to be kind of crashing across a battlefield and like stepping on a tank, or um, I've had a cool idea that a friend suggested to me of it like walking up um, out of a, like like it's crossed and walked across a river, um, and then have it with like water dripping off and like bits of um, kind of pond weed and things uh, kind of dripping down it, um, which would be really cool. But it's a lot of commitment to water effects because those are a little bit pesky to work with. So we'll see how I feel. <laughs> see how adventurous I feel in the spring when I eventually get around to painting it. <laughs> so yeah, that's my kind of update for that. If anyone's been uh, kind of wondering what I've been doing in my other kind of part-time job. Yep. Uh, the last segment we were going to do was Where's Nomads? Um, so we are currently planning, um, at least through the end of July, to do a once-a-week stop in Plainfield um, as the, the only place we're taking the truck out. We're kind of still trialing um, some of our safety things and keeping an eye on case numbers, which we know are going up um, in a lot of parts of the country. Um and then stay tuned for additional uh, stops as we feel comfortable and safe adding them in. Um, but our stops in Plainfield are Thursday evenings from 5 p.m. until 8 p.m. Um, and we are at the Timber City Coffee, Joy's Cakery, and G's Nice Cream. Um, it's right off US 40 um, in the same parking lot as the kids go around and right next to the, the BMV um, in Plainfield. And I've been happy with how those are going, kind of safety-wise, and people have been very respectful. Of, of making sure that those safety measures are in place. So, um, Plus there's coffee and ice cream. <laughs> yeah. If those continue to go well, we do plan to probably end of July, start of August, think about coming out to uh, some of the other stops. We'd love to get back down to Bloomington and across to Terre Haute, as I know people have really missed us there. We've had a lot of our online orders uh, kind of come from that way. Um, and also, um, not only for that stop, we have, of course, um, our... Um, Um, so not only for that stop, we have other things going on. So always check out our online store, nomadjarnshop.com. Always putting new stuff on there, um, kind of switching uh, things up, kind of get I'm working through. We slowly put new photographs of, of things on so they look a bit better. Um, I did a reorganization so everything's easier to navigate recently. Um, there's lots of our hand eyes and everything else we have on the truck is out on there too. Um, so yeah, go check that out. We got some new uh, little the Ricky Rumi crochet kits and stuff on there. Um, also, uh, this Sunday, um, I will be doing another one of my sale Sundays. Um, so we're doing these every two weeks right now. Um, so come and check those out. It'll be at 2 p.m. on Sunday via Facebook Live. So nomadjarnshop.com. Um, 
sorry, facebook.com slash nomadjans, um, and you'll see us come up live 2 p.m. on Sunday. I will be showing off um, basically 26 lots of um, uh, all kinds of fibery goodies um, that we have um, on sale, so they'll all be bargain prices. There'll be everything from kind of sweater lots to mystery boxes to kind of small items. We've done needle sets, all kinds of things. Um, a lot of stuff that's kind of end of lines um, that have been discontinued by the companies, um, things that um, we have kind of um, added in a lot of new colors and we just have a skein or two left. There's a lot of uh, things that are test colors for my studio that are really cool yarns that we just decided not to add to lines. So um, yeah, come and check those out. That's always really fun. Um, and then there's, of course, the festival season box for this month available until the 21st. So currently you can buy a single box or you can buy a six month set subscription. Um, what I'm looking at developing and hopefully um, kind of for next month, I'm hoping to have this set up to be able to do a rollover um, monthly subscription. So you can buy the box and they will come once a month and it will charge you once a month. So I'm looking at how our software can do that for you too. Um, so yeah, lots of places to find us. Um, I've also applied to a few virtual fiber festivals. So there's been some of those. I'm waiting to hear back. Hopefully we'll be, um, you'll be able to see us at those soon. So we will let you know the information as soon as we know. All right, until next time. Happy crafting. Thanks for listening. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, Ravelry, and our website, knowmyjarchop.com. And remember, in crafting and in life, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.